0: What's up, everybody? Why don't you tune in to Paydays with On The Bench? I'm Jacob Bardown and the beautiful Oliposnin. And a quick fun fact for you guys, if you think about it, a block of cheese is just a loaf of milk. <laughs>
1: Back to Worst Seats in the House, Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta, coming to you from Chateau LaPanta. Uh, the fire is on, the dogs are on the couch with Margo.
0: They're locked in to listen to the show.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Big hockey fans. Huge hockey fans. A couple really good games on tonight. Uh, we'll get to hopefully watch a little bit. Early, early practice uh, tomorrow. Our next live show, February 17th. So a week from today. No, a week from, well, a week from today when the podcast comes out. See? A I week that right. from,
0: less than a week from when the podcast comes out, a week from when we're recording it.
1: No, the seven, is nine plus seven is 16. So the podcast will come out tomorrow. So 10 plus seven, it's a week from the day the podcast. Perfect. There we go. You see, I knew that I was getting that right. So it's, Brandon, you got to put this out tomorrow. Don't put it out today. So February 17th, Tuttle's. In Hopkins. Uh, It's been a long time since we were there. Last time we were at, uh, we were up at Split Rocks. That was absolutely awesome up in uh, Wyoming. Uh, Back to Hopkins for February 17th, 7 p.m. So come on out to see Anthony and uh, myself. Uh, Who knew the Wild could lose a game? First time in five weeks, Anthony. Um, and, you know, it, it's funny, I, it was almost, I don't, were you apt to practice at Exile Energy Center the day yes. before? Yeah, didn't you, it did not have a good feel. They looked like they were sucking wind, and and uh, and, and then it always concerns me when you work a team that hard, that late, it was like almost like they were playing a second of a back to back. They 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 abnormally have a 7 p.m. flight. They land, and I just think yeah, four is, o'clock
0: practice. Yeah, it was
1: just weird, and and they were sucking wind, and they skated extremely hard because he was trying to skate the all star break out of them. And I do think that you know that they they came out flat. Came
0: out flat, although. I think Winnipeg played pretty well. Yeah, they did. And Winnipeg was heading into, we talked about it a couple times on the broadcast last night. This is a five game stretch for Winnipeg against five divisional opponents Minnesota, Nashville, Chicago, Dallas, Minnesota again. And I think this makes or break their season. Mm-hmm. If they go four and one, they might still be able to make up some ground and stay in the hunt. If they go two and three, it's probably cyanard to some of their expiring contracts. And I think they played like that last night. And even all that, I thought the Wild were bad. I thought they looked sloppy. I thought they looked heavy-legged and slow. They, they weren't crisp. I thought Winnipeg really battled hard. The only goal scored in the game is a flubbed power play yeah. shot by Mark Scheifele yeah. on a goofy power play to begin with and so for as badly as I thought Minnesota played and as well as I thought Winnipeg pay- played it was essentially a 0-0 hockey game
1: yeah another great game by Capo Kakinen and, and, and you're right I mean he was right there to make that save but because he flubbed it that's why the goal went in and we see right. that so often
0: and it was goofy yeah. that they were even on the power play yeah. after the double fights to start yeah. with so I mean you had there was a lot of stuff that led to it yeah. but it when you when you reflect back and you say, yeah, I think you know Winnipeg deserved to win, give them credit. And then you think, well, they only got one goal against yeah. a wild team that looked as off as they've looked in a long time. Yeah,
1: man, they really made it hard in the neutral zone for the Wild to go to do anything. And I think what really played into the, the, the hands of the Jets is that because the Wild, as Dean Evason said, didn't bring their will, you know, their work boots. Um, it almost was like they refused to dump the puck because that would have required effort to get it. They just did not have it as a team yesterday, and they we saw it with with three minutes left when 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 Dean pulled the goalie. I mean, that's usually an area where the wild shine, and again they just they refused get the puck to get the fuck deep. Right. I mean, and it was all it was all their own doing. They they had ample opportunities to dump it with Caprissa, Fiala,
0: all those guys. Yeah, I thought it was a combination of they didn't go to that at any point during the game, they also just were not willing to pay the price to get to the net because I thought Hellebuck looked like he was fighting the puck. There were rebounds to be had all night long and they just never got there.
1: Yeah. If I had a dollar for the amount of time you said juicy rebound last night, because actually I I didn't go to Winnipeg, so I watched the game. And so uh, it was very obvious that he was leaving rebounds because you were bringing it up a lot. And, then you look and rebounds sitting there in the wild were nowhere to be found or they were just boxed right. out.
0: There were a couple shifts I thought. The Greenway, Felino, Eck line had a couple of shifts where they really tried to change the way the game was being played. Mm-hmm. They had a shift. I think there were six hits on one shift right yeah. after Felino and Greenway got out of the penalty box after their fights. and But it just never really took. And normally they have a shift like that and then it just seems to feed next line, next line, next line. Yeah. And it didn't. Just didn't have that last night. No,
1: no doubt, and and so they got to put this behind them. They'll have a good practice on uh, on Thursday. Another practice Friday. Then Carolina comes to town Saturday. Then Detroit. Then the Wild go back to Winnipeg, and we'll see how long now Marcus Foligno is without. Uh, that the Wilder without Marcus Foligno. You and I have been in that Department of Player Safety. There's always a way that you can make your case in these hearings to get out of it. It's very rare. Um, it's rare enough that they can almost tell you the actual instances where that happened. The only
0: one they could remember was Dustin Bufflin many years ago. When um, they give you an in-person hearing, yeah. I mean, it, when they when they do their own evaluation yeah. and they give you a phone hearing, yep. you know, that's different. But when they do the in-person hearing or Zoom these yep. days, now that's where it's they typically. Are going to give you something. It's just a matter of yeah. how much.
1: So we'll see now. What Mark, if Marcus can make a case and say and say that what you know they think they see didn't happen and that was a, a you know what it looked like a knee um, to Adam Lowry while he was on the ice and it was just uncharacteristic of or Marcus. I mean, he got his wires crossed. I mean, there's no doubt there was frustration as you mentioned with the f- weird power play at the beginning. You know, I think they felt that Marcus was at a minimum interfered with, and then um, now. So you got to say it's a penalty there. Now Greenway going after Dylan would probably offset things. And then Marcus gets horse-collared and instigated By into Larry, a fight. Right. No call there. And the Wild wind up down a man and give up the power play goal that winds up the winning goal. So I think that Marcus was all always frustrated about that. And then, um, you know, he just absolutely lost his cool there at a bad time in the third period.
0: Yeah, he did. And it was very unlike him. Mm-hmm. We made the comment on the broadcast, like, we've seen him in fights where he's had a guy vulnerable. And he doesn't and has yeah. not delivered the fatal blow. And I joked about it. Ask Ryan Carter. You've seen the video mm-hmm. of the fight that he mm-hmm. had with Ryan Carter where with one punch, he basically knocks Karts silly, yeah. and he has a chance to throw a second punch as Karts is going to the ice. Not only does he not throw the second punch, he basically tries Holds to hold it. him up by his jersey to, yeah. to keep him like afloat. But I thought last night that play, I think you're exactly right, the Dylan hit I thought was worthy of a penalty. And when Greenway then goes to jump Dylan, and Felino skates over as if to say, you don't need to fight my battle for yeah. me. I want this guy. Lowry grabs him by the back of the jersey. And there was plenty of stuff happening where I really felt this is just an obvious even it up. Yeah. Even though you could make the case that Minnesota should have had a power yeah. play out of it, I thought it was just a no-brainer to even it out. And instead, Minnesota winds up short. I actually was flabbergasted. We weren't at the game either. We were calling the game remotely. And I looked and, wait, Minnesota only has four guys on the yeah. ice? I mean, I thought if anything, there was going to be a power play for the Wild, really thought it would be even. And when we look at, we're at the mercy of the in-arena stats people. I looked at NHL. I don't know if you were paying attention to it. We, we needed to because that was where we were going to get our information. They originally listed it as six minor penalties called on the play.
1: Yeah. So we were totally baffled. They had Jordan Greenway with two fighting majors,
0: and I looked down and I said, "What in the world? We've got the Wild have four guys on the ice. There have been six minors called. We're trying to hear the in arena announcer to pick it up, and we didn't have great access to it. It was one of several plays in the game where we were really at a loss for what was happening. But bottom line is, I think Marcus Foligno did lose his cool. It was very un Felino like the way he handled the fight yeah. there, and it was a strange time to go and fight Lowry. Well,
1: that, that was my biggest thing. It's not even that, that he loses his cool and it's going to wind up getting suspended, but you're, you're 8.54 left. You're fighting from a goal down. Why are you fighting Lowry to begin with to take yourself out of the game for five minutes and then to do the play at the end? where, you know, the linesman's trying to hold him back and the referee's standing over him. So even if you do anything, you're going to get called for something, and now he makes the Wild have to kill a penalty. So it's really one of the first times that we've seen one of the most selfless players on the team put himself, I think, ahead of the team, and I I think that's just a – it was a frustrated player. I I don't
0: know that I'd go so far as to say put himself in front of the team, but he made a bad choice, Yeah, and it was frustration that seeped in without a doubt. I just don't think it was a guy saying, I don't care if we win or lose the game. Yeah. I want to go settle a personal score. Right. I think he just lost track of what was happening because he was upset and frustrated. Yeah. And, and the pushing and shoving that was happening in front of the bench was really bizarre prior to that because Eric Sinek took took a, a, a blasted by Wheeler at a time where if you're Winnipeg protecting a one-goal lead, the last thing you want is to get involved in all that. Right. That went uncalled. Greenway And by the way, in. Wheeler was not on that original line
1: shift either. So like that was the other thing. he came on the ice, which you know really should have been a penalty at a minimum.
0: And even if a penalty or otherwise, my the point was just that why are they engaging in this? Greenway easily could have been called for a penalty prior to the Felino Lowry incident. And it was, I think two teams that had been playing a, a pretty physical, a gritty game. One team that was desperate, another team that was frustrated, and that's what happens. And we'll see how it goes when they meet again next week because I really think this is one of those stretches of the season where Winnipeg knows that they absolutely have to win or their season's over, and it's hard sometimes to match that kind of desperation. Not that the Wild have anything given or granted to them or that they've clinched anything yet, but there's a difference when you feel like you're playing – for your season, and when you're not. And I think last night's game will make sure that Minnesota's ready when they see him yeah. again next week.
1: And w- Winnipeg came into that game ready to establish themselves physically. I mean, that that play by Brandon Dillon to have the cojones to even go and make that hit on,
0: I think, on Felino said, said What if that hits not on Felino? Yeah. What if that hits on anybody? What D- if D- it's Levinson on Freddie Goudreau? Yeah. Dino, yeah, he's done. Right. I mean, that, the fact that it was Felino is the only reason the guy's still on his skates yeah. at that point.
1: Yeah. Um, so now, uh, so last night, uh, coincidentally today on my athletic podcast, I was supposed to have George Peros, uh, the the head honcho of the Department player of Player Safety that you and I sat with last week when we were in New York City. Um, he was supposed to be on my podcast, and within one minute uh, after the uh, Felino incident, I got a text asking to reschedule. So I knew that Felino was by in trouble. The,
0: on the timeline, was the Felino hit that incident, that was after the Marchand in Yeah, Pittsburgh it was about play? 20
1: minutes later, and, and and that's the thing, is it was, wasn't was just Felino. there was clearly... That Marshan was in trouble, and you know it's funny because what Marshan did, like he's done a gazillion things worse, but it's because you know it's more like if somebody else does that, and he's probably not even getting suspended. Um, but Marshan goes in there, he punches Cherry, um, and then goes back and swings a stick in Cherry's face. So he now he's got an in-person hearing facing five or more games, and Marshan all game was acting like. And a
0: once they determine it to be a, a suspendable offense, now all of his past history comes into play, yep. as we've talked before. I think it's. It, we should back up a little bit with the Felino thing, and just say that whatever they decide, I, I just have great trust in those guys. That they are, they're going to do what they think is right, and well, and it wouldn't shock yeah. me. I mean, I think what Felino did is, even though he made the case that I wasn't doing it intentionally, it wasn't on purpose, and maybe they'll listen to that, and maybe who he is and the way he plays the game will come into play. But I'd be shocked if he doesn't miss at least a game.
1: Yeah, and and I mean, what concerns me is do they give him three to keep him out of that Winnipeg rematch? I mean that that you know that would seem like excessive, and I don't know if they look at stuff like that. Like, well, they're playing. Winnipeg. They say they don't. Yeah. So
0: we'll find out. But um, I I agree with you. I don't think it's worth. I don't think I don't it's think worthy it's three. of three. Uh, yeah, for,
1: especially for a first-time offender. Um, but also, you know, I put I pointed this out on my other podcast today to show, you know, you and I talk all the time, and sometimes I feel like I'm an apologist for the Department of Player Safety, but you and I have sat in these rooms many, many times, both in, in New York City and the Situation Room in Toronto, to show they have no bias. Just coincidentally, I, had, I, I arrived at the NHL headquarters well before you, and I got the grand tour of the place, and the person that gave me the tour, during the tour was going on and on to me about how much he respects Felino's game and everything. And here he is, you know, what week and a half later, and Felino's is going to be up against the court system. So I think it just shows you that they don't look at the player. They look at the act. And in this case, they feel it's suspendable.
0: Right. And we'll see what happens. I, I think it's, I think it's a worthy of a game suspension, maybe two. I don't think it's three. Yeah. I don't always agree with, the numbers that they land on. And so, I mean, yeah. I, I, I agree with you where you're saying you sound like you feel like you're an apologist for them. I don't think it's that nobody's ever, these aren't black and white situations. Yeah. Nothing is black and white. It's all gray area. If they wind up giving Felino three games, I'd think it'd be too much. That doesn't mean that they're wrong and that I'm right or anything else. Or that it's a bias. Yeah. It's just what they look at when they look at the play. And yeah. They've had a couple that I thought were excessive. I thought as bad as any was the Kevin Fiala suspension. Yeah, I, I don't agree with that one. That it's a guy that really is trying to avoid contact about 95% of the time when he's on the ice. Yeah. Not a malicious play, not a dirty player. And wasn't like Granlin suspended once or was it Granlin? It was like
1: a, it was like Granlin Spurgeon or Bouchard off a of faceoff play that I didn't even know happened in the game. I gotta look at this. I think up it was now. Granlin. Yeah.
0: It was bizarre. There, are, So there are some times where that kind of stuff happens, and it does make you wonder. The Marchand play, if we jump ahead to that, he was acting like a dog. I went back and watched some of the highlights. Yeah. The play getting in the way of Sidney Crosby, trying to go to the bench to get a stick. And yeah. These are the kind of things that happen that I would love to see them say, look, all of your past history comes into play now, and enough's enough. Yeah. You took a ridiculous swing at a goalie's face with your stick. Yeah. And it, what was the play where the guy took the swing at Charlie Coyle? Uh, Patrick Duncan Kane. Duncan Keith. Or Duncan Keith. Yeah. Duncan Keith. And he got, uh, he got two games, yeah. one of which was a meaningless regular season yeah. game that Chicago already had their yep. spot locked up. Yep. And it was the well, one Dustin of,
1: Brown on Pommenville was the same thing.
0: Right. Yeah. And the Keith one, though, I thought was ridiculous. He takes a full, like a machete swing with yeah. his stick, cuts him
1: straight across the face.
0: And if if he's an inch to the right, yeah. he might have blinded the guy. Coyle still has a scar there from it. And they and that one was two. That was another. That, those are the ones that stand out to me as the most egregious misses. But I don't think it's. I think they have a hard time. I always think they have a hard time trying to figure out what the balance is between playoff games and regular season games. And they are more valuable, there's no question. And they should be. You're talking about one of 82 during a regular season compared to one of seven or even less in a playoff series. I really think they almost just have to come up with a math equation that says if we would have made this five in the regular season, it's two in the playoffs or whatever that number is. Because the Keith play was a perfect example. Two games, one of which mattered nothing. The guy might not have played in the game anyway. Yeah. And really cost him one game. We'll see. I... I trust him. I hope Marshan gets several for his actions because I think we've just seen it enough to realize this is just the way the guy plays the game.
1: It's just amazing to me that a player as good as him, somebody that could be the best player in the game, acts like such a child so much. And you know, and Bruins fans celebrated. It. It's right just hilarious. licking
0: people's faces. Yeah, I mean, and that's not hockey. No. There's no part of that that's hockey. And the same with this play last night. Yep. The Getting in Jari's face, that's a part of the game. Chirping each other, that's part of the game. But once you've been called for a penalty to skate by and take a swing at the guy's f- head with your stick, mm-hmm. that's ridiculous.
1: Wild lose uh, 35 of 49 faceoffs last night, Anthony. It um, was brutal. Yeah, and and they And it was
0: their best guys. Eric Sonnet, I guess I didn't look at what the finals were, but Eric Sonnet at one point was 2 and 11 yeah, or 2 and 12 and
1: 20 14 and, and Hartman was
0: close to that. Right. And they couldn't it just seemed like they couldn't win one to save their lives. And Winnipeg's a good face-off team, but not a great face-off team. Yeah. They were in the middle of the pack going into last night. That that's a problem. And you can see what happens when you have a night like that, and and the Wild are not going to be a great faceoff team with the centers they're running out there. They're just not. Sturm's been the only guy. I don't get why is not better though, and I don't think people well, in the
1: organization understand it. He's they're 23rd a, he's just, in the league, in but
0: he's just going into last night. He was just a shade under 50. He was right. like 49.8 or 49.7, and he's taking faceoffs most of the time against the other team's top faceoff right. guy. So X number, I think, is a is, is not alarming. Gaudreau went into last night as exactly 50 on the season, but he, he he's not taking a ton of draws anyway. Hartman had been better than he was last night. Last night was just a tough night. And early in the year, they were l- relying on Sturm quite a bit. And one of the other things that really helped them early in the season is they had a couple spots where it was righty-lefty on the same line where the opposite guy took the draws yeah. if they were on the the strong dot that's not the case with this now where you've got three centers who are the only guys taking draws on their lines and when it was Sturm and Bukestad playing together on the fourth line those guys would would flip-flop and therefore Bukestad was only taking draws on the right and Sturm only on the left made them both better they don't have that luxury anymore
1: you know who's 54.6 percent this year in the faceoff circle Joe Pavelski
0: so is he
1: yeah that's who I'd get Well,
0: (laughs) you can always say, this is who I'd rather have. I mean, Claude Giroux's been a 54%, 55% face-off guy most of his life, most of his career. But Joe's a hard-working Midwest boy. Don't you think he'd fit him well in this uniform? He might. Don't you think I deserve to cover Joe Pavelski in person? You're convinced he's been... Soured by Ryan Souter throughout the season in Dallas, and therefore yeah, he won't possible. come.
1: That's possible. That's um, possible. But Kaprizov, I'm sure charmed them at the All-Star game. So. Uh, that's that's what I would have done. If I was Bill Guerin, I'd be like, all right, look, you can't tamper this way, but you can tamper by just being your normal, jovial self and just pass the puck to Joe every time <laughs> he's on the three-on-three. With you.
0: Do you don't think there was a coincidence that Jared Bednar was throwing uh, no. him out there with the guys he was throwing him no, out there throughout the game? There was no the
1: coincidence. Uh, hey, wouldn't it be fun to play with Kale McCarr? Yeah. God. Um, and and Joe is the type of guy, I mean, a guy wants to win a cup, like no tomorrow, uh, so... Why wouldn't he choose Colorado? He's going to be able to pick his choice if Dallas trades him. Huh? Mean, you know, that'll be interesting because if Dallas falls apart here, um, you know, and you, and I know that Jim Nill would want to resign him, do you say to him, all right, look, we'll trade you, we'll get some assets, but then you got to come back to us in the offseason. We've seen that before, um, you know, in the, in the NHL. So that with Matt Molson and Cody McCormick, didn't they go back to Buffalo after coming here? Right,
0: and we've <laughs> seen it. it. Technically, it's –
1: Obviously, tampering. they
0: can't do that, but yeah. there are guys, and there's nothing that says they can't. Yeah. If guys love it where they were, well, I always said that. I thought that was one of Paul Fenton's biggest mistakes was
1: extending Eric Stahl. I think they should have dealt him that year, gotten the assets then, because he knew he was going to come back. Uh, you know, he wanted nothing more than to come back to Minnesota. So um, that was that was was that was one of those things. What do you think, of Marty St. Louis going to the Montreal Canadiens Bizarre. as coach? I mean, he's coming off the uh, like literally a pee team. He was an assistant coach for a Connecticut, like that's his only history of coaching.
0: Yeah. And now he's going to be a head coach in the NHL. Really strange. Uh, And there are guys that, there are guys that you've looked at who you say, yeah, we'll just throw this guy in there for now. X players, then let's try not to upset the apple cart, so to speak. Well, this is a cart that needs to be tipped over and, smashed up. So why wouldn't you bring in some kind of a, a veteran coach? It's a strange time to throw a guy in there and say, here's the worst team in the NHL. Let's see what you can do. It's really, it was, I was shocked. Yeah, I wasn't I'm, shocked to see the firing no. other than the fact that like I who? thought the when it, when you look the extension they gave the guy in the first place yeah. was bizarre. I and plus Julian's making five million and they gave him three years at one seven. Right. But well, like but it was a bizarre sequence of events that put them in the final. Yeah. Nobody thought they were one of the best two teams in the NHL. Nobody thought yeah. they were one of the best 16 teams in the NHL. They and, just And stumbled the funniest into thing the is final. that
1: remember they give them an extension because they went to the Stanley Cup finals. They they advanced to the Stanley Cup final when he was in COVID protocol and not coaching, so so unless he was doing a masterful job virtually, I mean I I just uh, just can you imagine working for that that team? I mean you just make a fort they just pay out. There are certain teams out there that just can give money and give money. We see it in Philly all the time. They'll have dead money up the you know for years. You know like the Bobby Bonilla type thing. It's just it's crazy.
0: They, and they will always be able to, yep. but yet they always, they seem to screw it up anyway. Yeah. we've been no, backward for 20 years. No doubt. Uh, February
1: 17th is our live show at Tuttle's. It's a week from when the podcast comes out. We've cleared that up. Um, Uh, Here's a word from Bosch Law Firm.
0: Hey, hockey fans. Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call is always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. Anthony, I've
1: been at TRIA all week because of some back and hip issues. Uh, I saw Dr. Stiles the other day. Uh, He's got the Midas touch with the... uh, spinal injections Like I, I would go there every day for one of those things just for the fun i've of it.
0: had a cortisone it's like shot a magic from dr styles dr styles yeah. in my back and the nerves in yeah. my back a couple of years ago
1: unfortunately it's worn off right now and i'm back in the pain but i saw <laughs> dr Mulaney today their spinal doctor uh, but great doctors over at tria
0: no matter what your ailment is they've got specialists for it and i didn't see dr Mullaney for my back i saw dr Robinson when i had a disc fragment break off and sit on a nerve in my back after I had harassed Dr. Boyd for about two weeks leading up to it saying, hey, doctor, there's something wrong with my knee. He had done my ACL-MCL meniscus surgery a few years back, and I I'm telling you, my knee is so stiff right now. This is worse than after you did the surgery. He kept looking at it, said, if you want to come in, we'll do an MRI. But I'm telling you, there's nothing wrong with your knee. I did it right. He took an MRI. <laughs> sure enough, the knee was fine. He said, let's have you go see the back guy just in case. And sure enough, I had a disc fragment sitting on a nerve. So Dr. Robinson diagnosed it. Dr. Stiles did the cortisone shot, as he did for you. to, And for me, it worked miracles. It went away by the end of the summer. I was good to go. And everything was great no matter what your ailment is though they've got the right guy for it they've got the specialist for it it'll get you back to normal life as fast as you can it's trio orthopedic it's the place to go and it yours is going to work i mean you just you had your cortisone shot like monday monday so you got to give it yeah. It's like three, four, five days sometimes before Yeah, it that's kicks what in. they
1: said today. Um, and uh, I know def- that
0: it's hard for you to just relax and trust and be patient, but it'll happen. Especially like when you're
1: trying to write a game story last night, you got to get up like every five minutes just to stretch out your back. I should have been done with that thing at like 1130. I'm still working at like 1230 because I was in such uh, pain. And by the way, if you have a back injury and you're gaining a bunch of weight, I know where you can go to lose that weight. The holidays have come and gone, and despite your best intentions, so is your motivation to lose weight. I know I've been there, but don't despair because my friends over at Profile have a solution for you. Profile makes losing weight easy designed by doctors to take the guesswork out of weight loss. Profile has helped thousands of people like myself and they can help you too. It's a great time to get started. Join Profile in February and save up to 30% off your membership. An unbelievable deal. Visit ProfilePlan.com slash Twin Cities and launch your transformation today. Tell them that Russo sent you. That's ProfilePlan.com slash Twin Cities. So when I walk into Tria the other day, Anthony, they have this Huge jer- autographed jersey of Zach Parisi hanging up with this old Star Tribune article that is uh, that is like you know taped to it. It's like yellowing that type of thing. So I go over to look at it because I'm like, it's got to be my byline, right? And I go and I read the lead. Okay, and the lead is is the Calgary game in in like you know probably late March, the one year that he had all the back issues that we didn't know he had the back issues, right? When he missed the playoffs against Dallas. And the, it was when he had the first period hat trick. And it's like half, hats off to Prezi And the lead, I was wondering why they had this article up. And then I figured it out. So it says, by Michael Russo M Russo at StarTribune.com. That must have been some miraculous maintenance day for Zach Parisi. One day after missing practice to be treated by a doctor for an undisclosed lingering injury, the Wild winger ruined the homecoming of the winningest goaltender in Wild history Thursday night. By the time Nicholas Baxter received a well-deserved video tribute, Parisi had scored two of his three first-period goals in leading the Wild to a 6-2 route, blah, 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 blah. So the the reason why they have this article there is the doctor Styles is so proud of it because he was the guy that gave him the miraculous shot that allowed him to play that next night and then he gets the hat trick. But then if you remember what happened right after, he's low bridged by Logan Couture and he winds up missing the playoffs right, right after. And so I mean I just thought it was hilarious that they, the reason why he had this one article, the why it meant something, is I essentially like didn't know the full story,
0: but it had to do with him. And he told me that story yeah. when I, while he was doing the injection in my back <laughs> and as I'm laying on my stomach, I was like, how about you tell me the story after you shoot the needle into my nerve in my back? Because you just told me a minute ago, like, you've got to be precise with this. And they had all kinds of lights setting up targets and grids on my back. Yeah. And but he a great guy and those guys they're they are so good he is, and, he is a good dude and and all of them are yeah. they we've talked about some of these doctors before you and I have shared dinner and wine with Dr. Boyd on the road a couple times and he sits next to me when he flies with the team and I've had many chats with him over the years it's just they are they're great guys, number one, but they are also just—they're unbelievable yeah. what they do. And the well, Wild have know, been really lucky yeah. to have those guys so, so, as their partners from I'll, the beginning.
1: Yeah, I'll t- I mean, not to you know go into my whole story, but this happened like a couple Wednesdays ago, the night before that we went to um, to um, New York City, and uh, I was doing that Cam Talbot podcast, and honestly, like. I could not, I don't know, I didn't know what was going on. My back was seizing up during it. We were doing it virtually, thank goodness. And I finally cut it short. I texted Cam. I'm like, hey, I am sorry that that was such a weird podcast and that I, like, I was not in it. I'm like, I'm sweating through my shirt. I, like, crawl into bed at, like, 2 p.m., 3 p.m., and my hip gives out on me. I show up at Tria in Woodbury and almost fall out of my car because I had, like, a blown tire. Um, and so that's that's how it all started. But then it sort of went away in New York. Like, you saw me. I was walking around. My leg was so weak. I did fall a couple times, which is pretty embarrassing. So I'm at JFK with Lou Nanny. Lou Nanny, of course, was flying to Florida because Lou doesn't come back to the cold in the winter, no matter right. what he said during the Winter Classic. And so he brings me into the Sky Club, and I'm, I call Dr. Boyd in almost tears. And I'm like, I cannot even walk in the airport right now. So they bring me into Tria that day, And they, uh, you know, put me through the whole pre-approval process to get my MRI. This is on a Monday. Come Saturday, I am in agony. I cannot get out of bed. And I still am pending for my pre-approval for the MRI. I finally call Tria and I'm like, I don't care if I got to pay for this MRI and fight it on the back end. I got to get an MRI today. Like I cannot, something is going on. I'm ready to like put myself in a hospital. I mean, it was Unbelievable. And uh, I finally went in for the MRI. Dr. Noel saw me at TRIA, and he looked at the MRI results, and he got me in for the injection two days later, and I got the like double whammy from Dr. Styles, So I got the
0: full treatment from TRIA, but I'm not kidding you. like like Right now, Margo is just listening to the story, yeah. and she's wishing that I even thought about getting insurance approval, because every time I've gone in there, I've just gone in and, yeah. and said, oh, well... John Worley told me that I needed this or I remember when I when I had the knee injury yeah. up in Vancouver and I went in to see at that time Donnie Fuller was uh-huh. the trainer and and uh, we as they looked at me on the on the table he says, well, yeah, I'm going to call Tria. Uh, you guys are back on Wednesday. Yeah, get him in. He's got to come in. We need an MRI on Wednesday. He's got a torn ACL and probably MCL and meniscus. <laughs> and as I'm sitting on the t- as, this took like 34 seconds to yeah. diagnose. And why do I need the MRI if you already know this? And, yep, okay, so we've got the MRI scheduled. Nobody thought about whether or not insurance was even a factor <laughs> or going to cover it. And the same was this week when I, I fell on hockey day. And banged up my what I thought was my back turned out to be my ribs on my side, and it was a week later when we were in New York. I went to see John Worley at the rink because the night before I had had the worst night. It was so. It was a week after the event, and I said, "This is crazy." The it was sore for the last few days. Last night was ridiculous. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't. And he said, "Yeah, that makes sense. You probably have a couple broken ribs. We'll just we'll just X ray it and take a look at it and make sure and." Nobody asks any questions. They just yeah. do it and yeah. and worry about the payments later. So I'm sure right now Margo is listening to your story thinking – I wouldn't mind if somebody questioned whether or not yeah. somebody's going to pay for this before we had all well, these tests done. Tria
1: has assured me that when, if, if they deny my claim for the MRI, that they, that, that when they look at the results, that Tria can help get that t- overturned because they're like this, this needed to be done a week earlier than it was. We were an absolute, have major injuries back there. You want to hear something else that's funny? So I go to get my MRI in Burnsville and I walk into the clinic and the guy, you know, walks me in there and, And, um, and then I go and take the MRI (laughs) and they're like, they put the headphones on. They're like, all right, Pandora, what type of radio do you want? And I go trampled by turtles radio. (laughs)
0: And I so, thought you were going to say, I gotta, I'd like to listen to the Worst Seats in the House yeah, podcast. Yeah. So
1: I got to be the only person that's ever asked for Trampled by Turtles Radio. And then, so anyway, after my MRI, the guy's walking me back to the room and the guy goes to me, by the way, I'm a big fan. And I'm almost convinced that like when I walked in there, he probably saw my name and like wondered if it was me. But when I said Trampled by Turtles Radio, that probably confirmed it was me. So it was just, it was hilarious. And I'm not kidding you, that 20 minutes in that MRI machine was like the most, um, calm and relaxed i've been in two weeks i was like i was like snoozing i thought you were going to tell
0: me that you were paranoid inside no because to me i fall
1: asleep in those
0: things instantly
1: yeah I'm not kidding you. The other thing about the MRI, too, is, you know, like, when you bring your car in, that's, like, you have some trouble with your car, and you bring it in, and they can't find it. Like, it's not going on then. That was my biggest concern in the MRI machine, is that I was so relaxed in there. It was honestly the first time in, like, a week and a half that my, like, hip and back weren't spasming. And I started to then work myself up in this machine. Like, what if it's, they're not going to see what my issue is, because suddenly I've, like, miraculously healed while lying on this table. And luckily, uh, they were able to see on the MRI. That I've got like you know no spine anymore. Well, this was fun. Uh, let's wrap up the podcast now. I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um, what else you want to talk about? We do have a bunch of Twitter questions that I have not gone through yet. Um,
0: well, I think the one somebody thing wants
1: you to write a cookbook, carp and Dylan. Yeah, that's, wants that, that, that a actually cookbook.
0: is that might happen. We've talked about it for about three years to throw something together. Actually, we've talked about it to give it to our kids because it's all the meals that they've grown up eating and enjoying and helping prepare that you know, they're all kind of getting to the age now where they're going to be out on their own soon. And so we thought to put them in writing with some pictures might be a good way to send them off and, and basically just say, here's at least a starting point of how we used to make it and a few little tricks along the way, just so that they had it. If we do it, we'll figure out a way to make it available to to others i did have a couple people that had asked me recently about posting recipes and the challenge is as you know you've been here when we i mean there are no recipes We're we're, we're making it up as we go so in order to to try to explain it to somebody it's really hard on Twitter. And I don't mean to ignore people when they ask, well, can you send me the recipe? But well, I throw a little bit of basil in there and about a little bit more pepper than basil and a little less garlic than salt. And and then when you try and explain to them what it should look like when you flip it or when you know it's done or any of that kind of stuff, it's really hard to explain. But I'll we'll try, and I'm gonna try and jot some of these things down as we go the next time you make it. Just write down the amounts so that you at least have something that you can share with people. And you know, I mean i'm I'm glad I'm excited. I love the fact that people enjoy watching it because it's such a big part of our life. We enjoy it so much, and family dinners, Sunday dinners are so much more than the food. It's the time and the prep. but so there will be a cookbook at some point. You should and uh,
1: start doing. Uh, Margo could teach you how to do this, like Instagram stories while you're cooking, like like Capo and those guys do, and people love that stuff.
0: I just posted an Instagram story for the first time, or added something to my story. I don't. I, I use Instagram to just post pictures, but I haven't. I'm not a real. You should uh, get
1: you going. On that. We'll have, we can, uh, we can we'll try Kakanen, it. of have Kakanen, uh get. You we going did on that.
0: do uh, something with the. I think at that point we were probably still Fox, but the Valley Sports North guys wanted to do something with Christmas meal prep. I think we did it last year, maybe where we did a few updates to show what we were making and how we were making it, and it was well received. But it's there's a lot that goes into it that's make it up as you go along, and trust me, we've had some learn by failure over the years too. So it isn't like it always turns out perfectly. We've had a few that have have missed.
1: Whatever you do in the cookbook, you gotta put what you would parrot in terms of wine too. I think oh, really absolutely. enjoy that.
0: Well and that's those are the kind of things that we wanted to share yeah. with our kids were was not only that, but when you go to the store what are you looking for when you're looking for steak or seafood or vegetables and what's ripe what's not what's ready what's not what how do you ripen it how do you know that the the peppers are great or the onions are proper or any of that kind of stuff and those are the little kind of things that it, it's all been done by trial and error for us. It isn't, I'm not an expert in this in any way. And wine pairings, I'm really just starting to get into that and learning about it. And I like it, but trying to figure out why certain things pair well with others is, I, I'm far from expert in that way. But it's, there are some things that we've now found we like this kind of stuff with the charcuterie, with spicy sausage, with. Whereas we like this better with steak or the big meal with seafood. And those are the kind of things that you'd like to send your kids off into their life with at least a starting point where they can try and duplicate what they've had at home.
1: No doubt about it. Uh, Claude Giroux just was screaming at the ref because the Flyers were the victim of bad calls, so he'll fit in perfectly in Minnesota. Um, Z-Y-E asks, with Greenway signed... Who do you think won't be on the roster come next season? Also, do you think it's a priority for Great. them to get, we get Fiala? That
0: we, we, let's talk about that again.
1: Yeah, uh, we, we, yeah, we,
0: we just uh, same questions each week. But um, and I understand why people yeah. are asking. There's no, we're not trying to belittle the question, but the rea- we just don't know. We have no idea, and it's impossible. To, it's a waste of time to even guess because there are so many variables. We don't know yet what if any, deal will be made before this year's trade deadline. And if that happens, that might impact who stays and who goes in the offseason. No doubt. You just don't know. Exactly. And um, and
1: similarly, Herbeck Ronek, uh, who we wish you well. I know you've been going through a battle yourself. Um, uh, 50-50 chance on a move before the deadline. Seems they are gelling together better than ever. Hashtag Hansel. I think that's what Bill Guerin is absolutely going to weigh at the deadline is if they're healthy and playing well, then I don't think he's w- going to want to make a move. If they're not healthy and they're starting to struggle and he feels like they can need an upgrade – um, then he might make a move there is so you know we're so accustomed on february 9th to be talking about the trade deadline two weeks away i think we all have to remember there's still five weeks there's so much that can happen before the deadline um so i i think that it's hard to just gauge right now i just think it's premature which is why on friday of course i'm going to speculate <laughs> <laughs> well, if that, i could sit tomorrow and to write the that's, article
0: that's you always like to speculate and I always like to just wait until it's done and then take a look at it. It's yeah. the difference between you and I. But it's part of it, it's your job. I mean, that's, that's what you have to do. And everybody always t- looks back and points at the Hansel trade. And the Hansel trade was a miss. It was a failure, and it was flawed from the beginning. And it all started from being too specific about what's it going to take to, to beat, beat the Chicago. Chicago Blackhawks. And it was one night in St. Paul where Jonathan Taves... Night before the... Break lit up the wild yeah, five and, points right and and Bruce was adamant that they needed a bigger stronger center to go up against him. He didn't play Koivu against him that night. He tried to play the hollow line against him and and because he said the hollow line should play against Patrick Kane instead. But then pushed hard. We need a big strong center to go up against Taves. Well, number one, you didn't know that you were going to even get to Chicago in that year's playoffs. It turns out they didn't. Number two. If you were going to play against Jonathan Taves, were you really going to run Martin Hansel out there against him? Yeah. He would have scored five points every night. And there were flaws on so many levels with that trade that there's no chance a deal like that gets made. And And they gave up a
1: gazillion pieces in the future.
0: They did. And if you remember, Bruce pushed hard for the trade. But then after the fact, and I don't know if it was legit that he was getting pressure from Chuck or if it was just Bruce guessing that he was going to feel pressure, I remember talking to him a number of times about, why do you keep playing Hansel there with Hall on the fourth line? And he just kept saying things like, When the GM gives up a first round pick, you can't play the guy in the fourth line. I don't know if that was legit coming from Chuck that, hey, if I gave up a one for this guy, you cannot put him on the fourth line because it's going to make me look bad. I, I don't know that that, I don't know that it didn't happen, but I don't know that it did. I don't think Billy would care. If Billy went out and got a piece and then Dean said, I think he fits best putting him on the fourth line because I like the way Freddie Gaudreau plays better with Fiala and Boldy. I don't think Billy's going to be knocking on the door saying, "Hey, wait a minute, here's what I gave up for this guy. He better be playing more than this guy, or else." I just don't. I think Billy would look at it as once the deal's made, it's made. Now put the best four lines out there that you can play, unless
1: it's a top top center, obviously, like a like a
0: you know. But but that but 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 if he but I don't think he would do it based on what he gave up in the trade. Right. I think it would be. Do you and I think he'd go to Dean and yeah. say, if we get this guy, do you think he fits with what we're trying to fill? Mm-hmm. And if you do, then we'll pull the trigger and let's throw him in there. Once you make the trade, let's say, let's just say hypothetically, it's Joe Pavelski because it's a name you mentioned earlier. And let's say Pavelski comes and for whatever reason, it just doesn't work with he and those two guys. I just don't think you would force him into that spot. Even if you were watching it fail, I don't think it would fail. I think he would be—he'd be a great addition if you were able to pull it off. Let's just say it's center named Bill Jones that you trade, and he goes into that spot. And let's say Bill Jones fails, and you say Freddie Gaudreau's better. Even though you took a swing in the trade, that's what I'm saying. I don't think Billy would then say, hey, this is the guy I acquired in a trade. He has to play there, even if you think he's failing.
1: Yeah, I I hear you. Let's talk a little bit more about that in a second. Um, But, you know, winter has hit us uh, a little later this year, and you know what comes with winter. It's dry air. Make sure you are keeping the air in your home moisturized during these dry seasons with Whole Home Humidifier from Aquarius. Prevent dry skin, dry eyes, sore throats, and protect wood floors and cabinets. My friends over at Aquarius Home Services offer free estimates. With your comfort and safety as a top priority, one of their trusted HVAC experts will visit your home, discuss your needs, and provide options that make sense for you and your home. Aquarius believes in their earning the right to be recommended, which is why I always recommend them. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. Don't forget to mention that Russo sent you. Tell us about
0: um, Kowalski's tell you that, I discovered a new thing at Kowalski's this last week. They have a what they call a buck bucket, and it's at the cheese, the kind of top end cheese and deli type, the charcuterie type area. But they had this little package of uh, Bella Santori cheese, which is a cheese that we always have, and we often go with the espresso crust or this one was soaked in cognac. A couple little pieces that I brought up to a cabin. And Margo and I visited over the All-Star break. I threw it on the platter and I said, hey, what do you think of that cheese? And Margo's like, it's one of the best cheeses I've ever had. So I went back the next day and I asked him, is this something, I'd never noticed it before. I said, is this something you guys always have? And he said, yep. And it's a little hit or miss what's going to be in there. But it's such a great idea. Check it out. It's the Buck Bucket at the cheese counter at Kowalski's. I think it's one of, the, it's a great idea. I love it. And it's it was a perfect way to sample some exquisite cheese. Check it out at Kowalski's.
1: Man, Mikey O needs a buck bucket right now. That was one awful goal, and he looks like he's going to throw up on the bench. Um, Everything is about to change. If you've been watching the news, you know that interest rates are likely to rise several times in 2022. That means the time to sell your home is now. Buyers want to buy before rates go up, so they're highly motivated, and if you're holding out because you can't find a place to move to next, well, Christendal Real Estate has the perfect solution to help you. It's their guaranteed offer program. Guaranteed offer means you can sell now while your equity is high, then pick your closing date so you have more time to buy while interest rates are at historic lows. Bottom line, when interest rates rise, selling opportunities fade. Now is the perfect time to sell your current home and find your new one, but the window is closing fast. By this time next year, don't regret sitting on the sidelines while others perfectly time their real estate market. Act now and take advantage of this unique and once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Join thousands of other homeowners who have already received a guaranteed offer by visiting chrislindal.com. Today, that's chrislindal.com. Some terms and conditions apply. And here's a word from Minnesota Propane Association.
0: The Sheriff family enjoys spending a lot of time outside.
1: Hence, we care what goes into our environment. That's why we support propane, the energy for everyone. Did you know that propane produces fewer greenhouse gas emissions than electricity generated on the U.S. grid? Propane's emissions are 43% fewer. That's a lot. Propane is clean, dependable, and affordable. Plus, it's produced right here in the USA. Let's all do our part to reduce emissions from our homes, cabins, and businesses by choosing propane the right energy right now to learn more about propane, the energy for everyone. Go to propane.com back here. worst season in the house. Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta, February 17th at Tuttles is our next live podcast. Hope to see you all there. Let's talk a little bit more about the trade deadline, Anthony, because we haven't done that in the last 25 episodes. Um, um, I will say that when I do some digging right now, I, you know, like I am under the impression that because this wild team, like Scott Wheeler just did his prospect, uh, uh, 32 teams and he had the wild as the third best prospect pool in the league. And so my feeling is, is that like when you have that many prospects and there's so many guys here sign long-term, they can't all play here. You're eventually going to have to use some of them as currency. Um, that now might be the time to look at a couple of the, those guys and try to trade some of those prospects to get one of these rental centers. Um, but I will say when I, when I get Uh, talk to people inside the organization, I do think that Bill Guerin is not thinking that way. I think he does not want to give up his first round pick. And I don't think he wants to give up any prospects other than maybe second and third tier guys. And so because there are going to be so many guys, so many teams after a short number of centers, I just think it's going to be awfully hard for the wild to make the move. Now I do think that he'd be willing to give up his second round pick because the wild are going to get a compensatory pick for not signing Philip Johansson most likely. But I don't think there's any appetite, even with their prospect pool as deep as it is right now, to give up their first. Um, you know, to give up a, a you know one of their you know they've got five really good quality prospect defensemen that you can give up. They've got a bunch of forwards, but I don't think that he really wants to go that route.
0: I'm not sure I would either. I don't to give up a one and a prospect for. A guy that going to be here
1: for a month and a half, right maybe that, three that, if you win
0: the cup that, and either way that's I think that's just a big it's a big price tag right. and you're talking about a team that well we look at it and say, what if you had one more center where you could bump Freddie Gaudreau the guy we always talk about. You bump him down into what's probably a more suited role for him. He's been a really good player for Minnesota. He'd be a great guy on most teams' third and fourth lines. He's probably just playing one notch higher than than in an ideal spot as a second-line center. But he's been pretty good with Fiala and Boldy. And those two guys, they are have a little bit of a tendency to turn the puck over. So having a responsible guy in between them isn't the worst thing in the world. So... To just replace that and upgrade from Gaudreau to somebody better to somebody else that in theory would be better, I'm not sure that's worth a one and a prospect. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. So I don't know. I I I haven't really talked to Billy about it. I haven't talked to scouts this year as often as I normally do about the upcoming draft. I don't know if you've had many conversations with guys about the depth in this really in haven't. this next draft. Where in the previous years I've had a we've had a better idea, at least I have, on how what they expected in the next draft so I I don't really know how deep people are thinking the first round might be but let's also keep in mind Minnesota's number one pick isn't likely to be a blue chip type pick we're talking about a team that right now is fourth or fifth in the league we're going to be looking at a pick in the that's why yeah that's
1: why I think I would be willing to give up the first especially knowing that like if you don't trade your second then you're going to have two seconds
0: I think if you know if the goal is to win a cup that pick you know you could be looking at 31 or 32. You could and I agree with you. That's the only reason I'd consider it especially if the guy is let's say as close to a no-brainer as you can get. And I'm not sure who that is. Yeah. I don't think it's Claude Giroux. I don't either. I, he's I, not
1: even playing center. Like we're right. looking at it, and to me, it would just be another wild player that they acquire as a winger that they try to force feed at center. Right. I know he's played center before, and he takes draws, but he hasn't. There's a
0: reason why he, in Philly they feel like he's been more productive up, you know, on the wing. And so we're, this is all hypothetical, but let's say it is a guy like Pavelski or a Hurdle or somebody that I think is a JT Miller, guys like that that are. They're a virtual lock that they're going to be a fit in the spot we're talking about in the lineup. And maybe you take the shot. Why not? And you as you talked, there's, there's depth in the organization in terms of prospects to the point where you can probably stomach giving one of those guys yeah. up in a deal. I don't know if they've got a better handle than you or I. Well, I know they have a better handle than you or I do, but they, I'm sure in their minds, have an idea on who's most likely to land in the NHL out of those guys in the next couple of seasons. I don't know which one is most likely to be there, which one they value the most. But if it's one, especially if, if somebody comes calling and says, hey, we'll grab this guy in a pick, and it's the guy you have rated seventh or eighth among your prospects, then maybe you pull the trigger. I got a question here from a Connor Kirk-eyed, Kirk-eyed or Kirk-eed? Kirk-eyed. Kirk-eyed. There yeah, you go. This is some of you know
1: well. Yeah. I know it's Kirk. Right. Yeah. You put his friend in the hospital once. Um, so what... <laughs> I did. His darts partner. <laughs> um, here's a question from Kirk. Um. What are some of the most absurd things said slash to happen while covering games? I'd assume the episode with Bly Levin not knowing he was live on the air has to be up towards the top of the seniors list. Anything that hops into yeah. your mind?
0: Well, so they refer to me as senior because A.J. they call junior. I Anthony got Junior. So they, that's why the senior comes in. And Kirk, as we call him, is one of the great guys. We did end up putting his buddy Bob whose real name is Parker but they call him Bob in the hospital in Vegas one time we'll leave that story for another show The
1: best part uh, of that story is so I got us invited to this like really swanky like uh party in a penthouse on the top of Planet Hollywood, and we fi- we invited all those guys to come there. Yeah, it was we before our basically game.
0: told them they had to go right. because they had helped yeah. us out during the trip. So we said, guys, whatever you do, you yeah. have to get to this party. Yeah. So we they show up to the party. Finally,
1: it was just AJ Kirk and their and one other friend, right? It was yeah, Carter was there. Okay, I think. Carter. And they're when li- we're like, "Where's Bob?" And they're like, "Oh, he's in the
0: hospital." <laughs> and he's in the hospital. And this is and it, you're like, not with Like, f- and this is like. F- 3 or 4 in the afternoon on the game day probably a little earlier than that maybe uh, 2:30 or 3 on the game day and was, wait in the hospital and <laughs> they said yeah he went to the hospital and you guys didn't go with him no we want to go to the game <laughs> 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 and so they they had bought tickets to go because the first time they came out there if you remember it was the first time the wild were in Vegas yeah. and you couldn't even get tickets to the game anywhere so those guys came to Vegas for the wild game and couldn't go to the game. Still had a blast out there, but it was, it was a tough, tough day for Bob. And I didn't share that story right away when I got home because Margo was not thrilled with my broadcast performance in Vegas on that trip. So when I got back and she was, she picked me up in the car and do you think you had your best show in Vegas because you hung out with those guys for three or four days and you missed a goal. You had the wrong guy scoring. Another <laughs> time it hit the post and you thought it was in. And as I'm riding in the car, all I could think about is, would now be a good time to tell her that Bob went to the hospital the next day? <laughs> and I decided to wait. But anyway, the the Bly 11 story for sure is the is the most bizarre thing that I've ever dealt with in my life. And that was... That was way before wild hockey for me. I was filling in on a Twins game on a Sunday afternoon in New York, and we still tell stories about it. In fact, you were with us in Vegas with Chris Withers, who produced some college football games that I called last year. Chris was the producer in New York that day, and so he's yelling in my ear, "What? what did he just say? What did he just say? Well, do something! And I'm really at a loss, and I had nothing in... That I could think of, other than to say, "Bert, we're live," and we moved on from it. And it, but that's that's for sure up there with the. I haven't had anything like that in the NHL for sure since doing wild games. We've had some crazy times, and you've talked about stories of me trying to get back from bathrooms in Edmonton that were bizarre. And I remember one day I got food poisoning in Calgary, yeah. and I was I was pretty sick. And obviously called the game in Vancouver the day after I had blown out my knee on the slopes where, you know, that was uncomfortable, to say the least. Somebody told me there
1: was a cork that hit your eye once this season, uh, too. Yeah. Actually,
0: so here's – we joke all the time about how critically Margot watches the broadcast (laughs) and how she watches them, not because she's thoroughly enthralled or enjoys the call. It's more to make sure she catches it if I screw up. And – Hockey Day, Minnesota this year. She texts me early in the second period of the girls game and says, the girls high school game, which is the first game of the day. says, you know, I really think you need to sound more excited about this game. And I texted her back <laughs> and I said, Margo, I fell on the steps on my back at the first intermission and I can't catch my breath right now. <laughs> my back is so sore that I can't get a full, I can't, deliver any punch to the broadcast. It makes my ribs hurt. (laughs) And she texts me back and was like, oh my God, what is going on? And so then at the next intermission, I said, yeah, I fell on these steps and it's, I think it's getting a little better now, but during that second period, I couldn't take a deep breath. And so therefore I couldn't even finish. I really couldn't finish a sentence before I'd be out. It was almost like you had the wind knocked out of you. Yeah. yeah. And so I shared that with my boss and I said, you know, if you guys are ever looking for people to to somehow analyze critically our broadcast. Margo yeah, might be the one to everything. go. Yeah,
1: she up everything.
0: I don't uh, know if we answered Kirk's question, but it, he'll be, he'll feel great that his name was mentioned yeah, on the exactly. broadcast. Yeah, exactly. And Kirk, anytime you and Bob want to swing by, we're always willing to kick your ass and darts in the basement. <laughs> um, Abandon uh, Sandwich goes, who doesn't love Arby's? Um, but seriously, <laughs> what
1: prospects could be in play in the wild or buyers at the deadline? It, you know, I mean, that's the one thing. Like, it would be... Like, if you're going to lose Fiala, do you want to trade Beckman? I don't think so. Um, You know, the one area where I just think the Wild have really upgraded their prospect pool is the fact that they have so many defensemen now. That's something the last couple years, they've done a masterful job. This team had nothing. And then, you know, Garren goes makes the Kalen Addison trade. And then just think in the last couple years, Judd Brackett has drafted Damon Hunt, Ryan O'Rourke, Carson Lambos, and Jack Pert. All five of these guys can't play on a blue line that has guys like Spurgeon and Dum and Brodin. Right, unless they want to wait until they're twenty-seven. Right, right. To start. so I
0: mean, at some point you're going to have to move these guys, and so uh, that'd be one area. Well, I think the a couple points that are made there. Number one is that's exactly why I think it's it doesn't make a lot of sense to analyze who's going to be here next year because the deal that has to be made at this year's deadline might influence. What your future plans are. Yeah. If you have to trade away a prospect that's one of your wingers, maybe you're more apt to try to move a defenseman in the offseason because you're still flush with defensive prospects. If you move a defenseman in terms of prospects at the deadline to make your deal, maybe you feel differently there. So we'll find out. And the other the Who doesn't love Arby's? I think that every night on our broadcast... Now, the the real story was Wendy's back when it happened on the Wild Live show years ago. But every time that our producer gets in my ear and says, read the Brand Connect promo for Arby's, in my mind... When we come out of the commercial, every time it runs through my mind. Who doesn't love Arby's? Yeah. And the other one that runs through my mind is it feels like an Arby's night, from (laughs) which is what started a few games back. We had a bunch of Seinfeld references in a show just for that reason, because you remember the David Putty got promoted to salesman, and so we went, felt like an Arby's night. Yeah. I had the roast beef. Yeah. And so when we come out of that commercial, I think one of those two things every time, either... Felt like an Arby's night, or who doesn't love Arby's? Um, Jackson asks, "Is your back
1: injury the same thing that happened to Zach? Uh, Similar, um, I think his was a little more advanced. He had (laughs) some bone issues there that was not going to fix itself. They're hoping that mine can. But I will say, you haven't been
0: cross-checked in the back. Well, that's the thing. Uh,
1: Zach got hurt being a hockey star. I got hurt being just sitting on my ass for thirty years. Um, You know, a lot of a lot of uncomfortable airplane seats and sitting at my desk. And, you know, the one thing I realized in Chicago when I was just absolutely on fire is just how bad sitting in a press box is even, you know, you're constantly leaning forward to see the ice. And I just think it's years of wear and tear. Um, but I will say Zach was extremely, um, the last week, encouraging uh, that that uh, with the doctors that I was seeing, he both, he had Stiles style, and Mullaney. So, uh, I mean, it just coincidental that I had the same doctors and he uh, he let me know that this was going to help.
0: Coincidentally, we have a question asking for a recipe, so I figured we might as well answer it. A guy okay. said he just was given a seven-pound rib roast as a gift, which I gotta find friends like that if that's the kind of gift you're getting. And asked if we had a recipe to share. We I've only made a couple of these lately. the The prime rib we had over the holidays was great, and the it depends on your oven. But here's a, just a real simple recipe. I'd keep your seasoning simple. Go salt maybe pepper or peppercorns and a little garlic I like. But then cook it for just a little bit, like if it's 7 pounds, I'd say maybe 20 minutes or so at a really high temp, like five, 500, 525 maybe. Turn it halfway through that time just to get it a good crust on the outside. Then turn your oven way down and slow cook it. Like throw turn your oven down to somewhere I'd say – 175 200 maybe and then plan to let it cook for two two and a half hours use a meat thermometer to get it to the the right amount of doneness maybe one i'd say 120 115 125 probably somewhere in that neighborhood get it out of the oven i'm not a big fan of letting it rest i like to cut it pretty quickly and i think if you rest it has a tendency to dry out so give that a shot and let me know how it goes
1: uh, Austin Lundeen asks uh, Lundeen spelled L-U-N-D-E-E-N, so not related to the Burnsville Lundeen brothers, uh, the great Mike and Matt Lundeen. Uh, Austin Lundeen asks, um, who's going to get more wine drunk on the upcoming Europe trip? I'm thinking
0: what, Gianni, Ariana, Margo. <laughs> Actually, there will. Be, I think there are going to be LaPanta a few Lepantas Pantas that are going to make the trip, and we're going to Chechia? We're going to. Budapest, we're going to Budapest, Vienna, Prague, and Vienna. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, and so uh, it'll and be great. And Bratislava.
0: Now in Go those in those cities, it might be less wine and more beer. We've been known to then kind of veer back to vino and vodka, coffee for sure. So. Well, I'm just gonna say. I uh, I hear
1: Hungary is a coffee haven, so that's what we're doing, and we're gonna just everybody. If you come on our trip, we're going coffee
0: hopping. Well, and we'll say that we'll find. Maybe it'll be one of our traveling party that'll be the most wine drunk on the trip. We'll see. Defineddestinations.com. If
1: you're interested in that trip in mid July, Uh, definitely not. David asked, "What's the perfect Super Bowl snack food?" Anthony.
0: Normally, we go chili and have a big chili party on the Super Bowl when we're home. And we've been about 50-50 here in recent years with being home for the Super Bowl, home and off. This year, we are home and off. So normally, we're going to go chili. And when we do the chili, we don't have a lot of snack foods. The chili keeps everybody well-fed. So if we do it on Sunday, which I probably should make up my mind on that since we're approaching the the big game you're around on Sunday. Want to come over and have chili and watch the game?
1: Um, I actually was invited to a, a friend's house. So I might head over there, but maybe <laughs> I'll
0: come here after. A friend. That's I got to get inside. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just going through the last Twitter
1: questions to see if there's anything else. Um Kurt Harvey Williams goes, hi, Michael. What got you into writing and or sports writing? Did you know that at an early age you wanted to be a sports scribe? Actually, I've told this story before. I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. I wanted to be a play-by-play guy like Anthony. And next thing I know, well, I sports writing. A sports writer. I started at 15 years old, got a job at the Boca News and the Sun Sentinel, and eventually the Palm Beach Post. Wound up settling at the Sun Sentinel. Best thing ever. Answered a bunch of calls taking high school box scores. Next thing I know, Dave O'Brien. Who uh, covers the Atlanta Braves for us at the uh, Athletic? Uh, coincidentally, now he was our um, high school writer at the time. He got sick or something. They sent me out to a Deerfield Beach high school game. A guy named Mark Renaud uh, broke Emmett Smith's state rushing record that game, and and uh, they liked how I just handled the story. And next thing I know, I was writing more and more. And at age 15, 16. and uh, next thing I, know, I was a sports writer, and I never stopped. So, um, pretty pretty cool life uh, pre Twitter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a great life. It's unbelievable. The we're we are lucky. I know you gripe about it sometimes jokingly, but these are the greatest jobs in the world. We're going we're traveling to the best cities in North America. Mm-hmm. We're watching the best hockey players in the world in great arenas. It's we are very fortunate to have the jobs we have.
1: Rupa Rupa Hintz fan account asks favorite arena press box. What's yours? I love Madison Square Garden.
0: Madison Square Garden is good. It's, the sight lines are good, even though we're way up. The sight lines yeah, are we're good. On the we're on the roof. We're it's literally convenient. touching the roof yeah. from, our, from our spot, 10th floor. And the only drawback to Madison Square Garden is it's small with limited counter space. And to use the restroom, you have to walk yeah. quite a ways yeah. out. In, they turned a women's restroom into a media restroom down the hallway. So that, that's a little bit...
1: Arizona's from, cool. Uh, I don't. I like love Arizona,
0: Arizona at all. The, Buffalo. For, for me, the best broadcast position is in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Calgary is really good, but it's you have to go out into the crowd to use the restroom. But in terms of the sight line, it's really good. Yeah. So for me, there's two things: it's sight line, and then do you have a, enough space? I've always been amazed that people put together these press boxes, and then they put a counter together that in. The, I don't know if it's the same for the writers, but for us, it might be like 12 inches deep. Well. There's monitors and cords and, and your box that has your mute button and cough button and everything on it. By the time all that stuff's on there, you can barely fit like an iPad on your counter. Yeah. And it's almost as if they put it together and never talked to anybody that had ever called a game before to say, what do you need? So for all of that, the XL Energy Center is really good. The press box there is dynamite. Tremendous space. The sight lines are good. We're a little further away from the rink than ideal in some of these Canadian rinks, but we've got more space. It's comfortable. The Wi-Fi is great. The counter space is great. The restrooms are easily accessible. It's, I, the Excel Energy Center is right up there with yeah, the better no ones. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um,
1: two last questions, one hockey and one will go similar. One, Emmett asks, what's the deal on prospect Jack McGann? Do you think he signs with Minnesota or waits until August to become a free agent? Uh, the Wild are going to try hard to sign him. They are going to have to burn a year, and if they burn a year, he might play the season for them. Um, So uh, don't be surprised if that's what they're going to have to make if they want to get him done. Last question, and this wasn't on this one, but somebody did ask me on my other uh, Q&A that I did today on the other podcast I do, is uh, best press box snacks, Anthony. Now, some of us didn't get to look this way because of uh, you know eating healthy all the time we uh, maybe indulged a lot too too often in our career in press box snacks uh, Chicago used to be the best now they've toned it down because of the
0: pandemic I haven't been to Chicago oh in yeah you have
1: two been years for... Chicago is like you know you it's, know what's it's, become... Chicago is yep. what
0: used to be the best because yep. their press box snacks in between you had the option of basically a meal. Another meal. Or they had, but they always had fruit and vegetables, which is what I go to during games. So Chicago was the best. (sighs) We haven't done a game there. It's, I think it's been three seasons since we've done a game in Chicago. Now we had the broadcast the night before hockey day, but we did it remotely because of some truck issues. Otherwise we would have been there. And then we didn't do the game right before the break because it was a national game. Yeah. So it was another season of not going to Chicago. Yeah. Trying to think of any
1: other press box snacks. Uh, Detroit has the uh, great press box meal. They have the like Vegas buffet. Um, trying to think of anything else. I don't really
0: press eat much snacks. during games, yeah. Once they start, but the Buffalo uh,
1: has just a more Buffalo and Boston have the just greatest but unhealthiest food in their press box. Like, isn't Boston Boston's Boston's just a got bunch got the, of candy and Boston's stuff? Boston's got Buffalo and Boston, they've got like bu- bu- Juju and has like stuff. Like, oh, like, do they really? They got like a oh, yeah, like I've a cake seen cake that. Cart, I have seen know? that, you know, and like the pretzel, the soft pretzel machine. That's always the worst. We're, we were just. Buffalo got road. a candy ice cream. Oh,
0: the, the islanders, our stage manager, who's a great guy, um, and is good friends with Billy Guerin, as a side note. But he was raving about he couldn't wait for the he said, first intermission, they bring up the authentic New York warm pretzels and. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to eat those during the game, but he was raving about them. So it, apparently I those are see really that. good. I'm glad I didn't. Um,
1: just last thing, I'm walking out of Madison Square Garden like an hour and a half after that game last week. And I'm walking out with this British guy. It's in the elevator with me. And I knew I recognized him. He goes, and he talks to me in, like, you know, his British accent. And he's like, he goes, uh, you, work for, you cover the wild, right? I'm like, yeah. He goes, he goes you got to tell Billy Guerin that I said hello. And I forget his name. I texted Billy afterwards. But he's the Zamboni driver at Madison Square Garden. He's known Billy forever. So <laughs> it was just uh, Billy.
0: It's, Everybody knows Billy. It,
1: it really is. It's. It's. I was. I did a podcast like a month ago with Chris O'Hearn, his assistant GM. And that's what I said to him. I'm like, isn't it amazing that Bill Guerin came here and he retained all of either Chuck Fletcher and Paul Flinton's essentially his staff? Because – he really didn't hire anybody, and here's Billy Guerin. He's got fifty thousand friends in hockey. He could have hired anybody, but he he, he kept, kept most of them. Matt Sells, he kept uh, Chris O'Hearn, he kept you know only one he brought in was he Mike bought. Murray. Well, I thought Matt Sells came with Billy. No, but Matt Sells was hired by Paul Fenton. And, um, you know, kept Darby and, and, Matt Hendricks, you know, Matt Darby was previous reg- Darby, not sorry, Brad Bomadeer was Chuck Fletcher. Matt Hendricks was hired by Paul Fenton. So the only one he brought in was Mike Murray, who, uh, you know, he's known for a long time. And then he brought in his senior advisors, Randy Sexton and, and, um, and Ray Shiro. But I just think that's kind of interesting about his personality that he actually yeah. had an
0: open mind, well, came here and did clean house. The, the guy I'm talking about, our stage manager in, in New Jersey and New York, it, Long Island is Christopher Riley. He's a great guy. And he had reached out to me early. was working some, he had a podcast, but he was trying to help arrange for equipment and an equipment drive for something, if I remember it right. And he said, well, Billy Garen's a friend of mine. Tell him I said hello. Uh-huh. And sometimes you think... All right. Well, yeah. I'll say hello. And I, I mentioned it to Billy. So, oh, Riles is a great guy. When we were there, you saw him when he, I think you were up in the booth with us. Yeah, I, I us, did TV then, And right? Billy came walking in yeah. and, you know, hey, Riles, how's yeah, it going? Yeah. And I mean, it's crazy. He's got That's when connections I said like right that right before he left. I'm, everywhere. Like, I'm like,
1: stick around and tell everybody who you're trading for. <laughs> that was, that was, uh, he's like, all right, I'm out of here. Um, well, hey, uh, fun show. Um, I think the best shows that we do are the ones that we do absolutely no prep on, which is pretty much every single show. Um, Thanks to our awesome sponsors. You put Stanley
0: and Phil to sleep, by the way. Yeah, I know.
1: Uh, I'm going to end the podcast so I can play with them. Um, So uh, February 17th, 7 p.m., one week from the time that Brandon, our great producer, is putting this out, um, is going to be at Tuttles. February 17th, 7 p.m. Come on out. It's always a blast. Great food, great drinks. Uh, great podcast all that type of stuff um thanks to our awesome awesome sponsors uh bosch law firm can you tell them uh, i can't find the text with all our sponsors brandon you have to tighten this um our great sponsors bosch law firm profiled by sanford tria yeah exactly uh, minnesota propane association aquarius your local authorized dealer for Connecticut water treatments kowalski's and chris lindall real estate talk to you february 17th at tuttles everybody
0: so much coming out, there's nothing going in. I know that you feel like you're never gonna win. Oh but the world won't forget
1: winner. The best part of that story is so I got us invited to this like really swanky like uh, party in a penthouse.